All right, what's going on, everyone? Thanks for joining us on our 25th episode of the Retake Lounge. I can't believe it's already been 25 weeks straight, or actually 26, considering our intro, um, that we've been bringing this content to you guys. It's been a pleasure doing so. Like always, thanks yeah, for the support. Wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and let me tell you, man, trying to get scheduled when Nathan's busy, I'm busy. It's 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 a pain, <laughs> but it's been worth it. Um, you guys have been awesome. So. Really appreciate all the support and feedback that you've given us, both good and constructive. It's been great. Uh, we've learned a lot from our listeners on how we can improve, and we're going to be doing our best in 2023 to definitely go that way. So, um, of course, don't forget, if you're on YouTube watching this, like, subscribe, and comment. And as well, we're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And then you can see in our new banner below, Join our Patreon, get some backseat access, some extra content, as well as joining a Discord that is almost up to 50 people now. Um, very lively, fun Discord. We just had our Discord live last night. was a great time hanging out. So, uh, Nathan, what else you got? Yeah, just make sure that you're supporting US Arc. Make sure you're taking any steps necessary when they send out their alerts. And, yeah, just keep those member numbers up. Donate when you possibly can. Yeah, we are very excited to announce in our quarter century episode, we are doing our second episode of our locality talk. We are going to be talking all about Malukus. And just like we promised when we did our first one with Eric Lee, our locality talks are going to have guests. And of course, it would be ridiculous to have anybody else on talking about uh, Malukus other than Rodney Bolich with R&B Reptiles. So we are extremely excited to have him on talking about Ternate's. Hall Mahara's, and he's probably going to give us a bunch of other localities that he has some data and information on. But before we bring him in, let's go ahead and get a word from our sponsors. Whether you're just getting into retics or you've been breeding for years, the first place you want to visit is Stewart Design. More and more breeders keep showing up at shows, on Morph Market, and all over socials. Sometimes it may feel impossible to get anyone's attention. Stewart Design helps small businesses like yours do big things through brand clarity, helping entrepreneurs to start and scale businesses that are easy to know and love. Their work can help any company or industry, but they've done a ton of work for ours. Stewart Design created the brand for US Arcs, Canova, Reach Out Reptiles, Coiled, and dozens of other well-known reptile breeders. Like many of us, the owner of Stewart Design, Blake, is a keeper and breeder who fell in love with retics. Although Stewart Design does a lot of corporate work, Blake has a passion for working with people in the reptile industry. So, wondering if Stewart Design is right for you? Stewart Design can help if you're just getting started or you're ready to take things to the next level. Maybe you're struggling to stand out and build your presence online or at shows. And maybe you don't want to be like the other guys or get lost in the crowd. You want to make your own way doing what you love. You might just have a big idea and know your business is special, but you need help sharing it with the reptile community. If something here resonates with you, reach out to Blake. Have a conversation with him. To learn more or get started, visit sdidentity.com or call them at 855-SD-LOGOS. Clear brand, own markets, Steward Design helps create them. All right, guys, visit vivtechproducts.com and use our affiliate code for 15% off, Retic Lounge 23. So visit vivtechproducts, 
for all of your UV needs and use our affiliate code retic lounge 23 for 15% off today. Yeah, I'm excited. I get to start the second series, uh, second phase of that research that I'm doing with their products. So I'm going to be turning on that light bulb uh, in just three days. So I'm excited to see how that goes. Anyways, um, let's go ahead and bring Rodney into the discussion here. And Rodney, what's going on, man? Mm, nothing. Just breeding snakes like usual. Breeding snakes like <laughs> usual. The daily grind, man. Yeah, that's that about it. Yeah, well, I'm not really breeding too much this year. I'm kind of keeping it down because of a recession issue. So I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to shoot myself in the foot with overproduction this time of year. Well, in this in this economic climate, so I'm kind of, yeah, I'm 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 breeding about fifty percent of what I normally would. Yeah. I started taking on people for, uh, you know, you know, people sending me their babies throughout this recession. So it's really going to test my time and my patience. So it's going to be fun uh, selling others animals. But um, anyways, Rodney, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about R&B reptiles and what you're doing and, and all that good stuff. Well, I actually started R&B reptiles because I'd been keeping snakes for so long and I really just started breeding snakes to pay for snakes. So I've never actually taken that business as serious as, as I should. But, um, you know, I've had, I've had reptiles since I was five and, you know, when I was early twenties and I'm like, well, maybe I should start breeding snakes because I have all these snakes. So that's actually how that started. It just, you know, I've always, I was a collector before I was a breeder and I, I, hell, I had snakes for, 15 plus years before i even started breeding them and then what was your first species uh of snake i it was a ball python i got in third grade before that that was my first snake um then i had before that at like five i had like uh little turtles and iguana the five-year-old shouldn't have an iguana but i had one I uh, did too. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, like I, I, it was the same way. And it, it was probably like the strictly reptile days, you know. Yeah, like, imported you know, well, everywhere around the country. Yeah, back in the eighties, early nineties, you know, because I would have been like eighty-seven ish, you know, when I was like, oh, I got my first iguana. I'm five. Here's this, you know, two and a half foot snake and a or two and a half foot lizard in a ten gallon cage and with a five year old. Right. It's a horrible, <laughs> horrible idea. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, that's how that started. And even, you know, even uh, me keeping uh, reptiles in the 90s, you know, all the, the screwed up shit that we would do with keeping them on heat rocks and all that, like literally mm. just that those primitive days of keeping reptiles at a young age was really ridiculous because our parents didn't know any better. <laughs> do they still make heat rocks? I wouldn't be surprised. I haven't seen them I at hope the so. stores. I, I hope so. <laughs> like, they were like 200 <laughs> degrees, just like fire hazard uh, oh yeah uh i'm sure if they sell them on the label it says does not work with thermostat or in, yeah <laughs> just and if yeah, you're I, 30 years old or above you've definitely had one if you had oh yeah your yeah day. don't if lie you, yeah before you found out about like reptile shows and stuff your your local pet store that was your that was it yeah you know yeah, and, oh, they, yeah. and they were on their game <laughs> you yeah. know with the, with the aquarium aquarium and the uh and the heat rock that got 190 degrees and yeah i had a i had imported a, whatever <laughs> right i had a boa when i was like eight was when i got my first boa and i had a heat rock in there and it actually shattered the glass aquarium on the bottom 
below oh, it. it? He, yeah, 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 one, one it day, one day I went to take it off um, to clean the, the enclosure, and the bottom <laughs> of the enclosure was like cracked. I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" Yeah, if it wasn't tempered, yeah, it would eventually yeah. do some damage. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So yeah, we're we're here to talk about. Um, I, mostly Ternantes and Halmaheras because I know you work pretty heavily with them. Um, you know, there's probably no one else in the country that we could have on qualified to even talk about these localities. So um, what, what like got you even into the idea of importing this locality? Uh, I got into, I got my first retic when I was 19. It was a wild caught yellowhead and it was, a, it was a complete, asshole i ended up selling it and then when i was 22 i bought a pair of retics um most of the new people aren't going to remember this the old sharp line they were posset sharp line albino it's like it's like non-existent um i think it was sharp line so i don't know i it was you know something it was some old line of albino it was basically a white face it, it's like non-existent. yeah it, it looks like a clark white face but it's not compatible <clears throat> no it's nicer like yeah. there was only a handful of them still around like 10 12 years ago and they were nice i'm not a big white face person but they were very nice they had really nice contrast i believe they were out of malaysia and i had those i got those snakes um and uh the female got pretty large she got up to 18 feet pretty quickly and uh, she was actually the friendliest retic to this day i've ever had she was like dog tame like scary dog tame um but then uh I started getting into some more localities. Well, I got a Clark strain. I got a Clark strain albino. I paid $2,500 for it to give you an idea. It was a while ago. Man. So, um, and that was third party. Yeah, so, you know, I got it cheaper than it would have been, uh, to buy it straight from Bob. Uh, and I bred, I bred the male cause I didn't realize that I had two different lines of albinos and I, I bred the, sh- uh, from a different line to that, uh, female or no to my albino lavender and you know it threw in like I didn't get anything it was just like all pos double heads but then I'd bred a, a purple to that giant female and it threw visual uh, uh, animals I was like this doesn't even work but it was kinked up I don't know it was some kind of genetic genetic mess there was a there was a uh, albino paradox in it and uh, that snake she ended up uh what did she throw? She threw three or four twins that clutch. Her, oh, cool. her second clutch, I bred wow. her. Um, she, out of 15 eggs, there was five sets of twins. And the one year she did throw triplets. It was the only time I ever hatched out triplets was from this snake. And it, it was, you know, it was an interesting snake. I don't know what was going on genetically with it, but she genetically produced multiple snakes in one egg. Um after that, there's a pet store about 30 minutes away that was getting in cheap retics at the time. And that's actually where I'd got my first Super Dwarf stuff. This pet store was getting in Super Dwarfs. And one of the dudes that worked there, Brian, um, he actually had bought them up and he was moving. So he sold them to me. This was like 2006. And uh, I got a, I got a Kai Wadi off him, a pair of uh, Kalatoas. Uh, and that pair of Kalatoas is... Uh, the produce the F1s that Chris uh, Wilson's working with. Oh, nice. Yeah, that super aberrant pattern. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so that was them. And uh, 
and I was working with that stuff and I got some Solaires in and that kind of stuff. And then 2010, somebody posted a picture on Facebook of Paternate. And I was like, what is that? And by 2013, I started getting them in. Yeah. So, and, and you know, I, I had a lot of localities. Like the height of my locality collection, I had, I had a lot. I had Malaysians, Sumatran, Java, Bali, Ambon, Siram, Solaire, Sulawesi, Bhutan, uh, Karampa, Kalatoa, Madu, Jamp, Kaiwadi, Halma, Ternate, and Philippines. I think I had all of those. I just counted. I just counted eighteen. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, that was the height of my of my uh, localities. You ever, you, you ever get your hands or see in person at Borneo? I had. I had one snake that I could, well, I had two that were possible Borneos, but, um, I never got them in. The reason I never got them in was they were actually kind of pricey and I'm like, they're, you know, there's, there's no reason they were just, for some reason they were just more money. And I'm like, can you give us an idea of what price he was back in that day? $200. (laughs) Jeez. That's exactly why I asked that question. I I knew, I knew it'd be something ridiculous. Well, that's why I, I mean, didn't get it. I was like, prices have been ridiculous just within the last six, seven years. I mean, <laughs> that's really the big price increase that we've seen with the locality stuff. I don't know if you would agree, Rodney. Well, that that's that's only because we can't get them imported. Like, like I was yeah. paying, yeah. like they they wanted two hundred dollars for Borneos, but they were charging me two hundred dollars for a Calato. I'm like, I'm not, if I'm giving you two hundred dollars for a Calato, I'm not giving you two hundred dollars for a Borneo. I should be giving you $50 because it's right next to Sumatra, you know? So that was my, so I just never, I never paid for it. And then, you know, I have to take 10 or 20 at a clip and I'm like, well, who's going, who the hell's going to want Borneos? You know, you, nobody, nobody wanted them. So nobody wanted most of this stuff back then anyway. So, yeah, but I had to cut the collection down because I knew we were going to lose interstate commerce. So I made the decision to sell off a lot of my localities and I even sold off some turnates, but then, uh, then I bought them all back in 2016. I sold off a, a couple pairs, but, uh, then I ended up buying them back at like 10 times the price I originally paid for them. But yeah. Do, do you mind if I, I, I want you, you know, more. So like when, when we talked about the previous locality, uh, talk that we did with Kalatoa, I kind of went into, where Kalatoa is, all that stuff. Do you mind actually going into, since this is going to be titled Maluku, do you mind going into where in Indonesia Maluku is versus like the more commonly known islands and and go into that whole geographic? Well, there's there's like, sometimes when you talk about Malukus, they talk about a really large portion of island chains that's like, it, it's, it's in between uh, the Weber... It's in the Weber line because there's Wallace line that runs in between um, Borneo and Sola. And then the next se- section of line, like of those islands, that's that's Weber line. So it's they're all in the Weber line. Um, so I, I talked to you. I, I've seen your video on the, the Weber line. And yeah. so can you go into it, a little detail about that? Yeah, it, it's 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 a group of islands north uh, east of uh, Sulawesi. And then there's like the central Malukus that are like right there. And that's, that's actually something I wanted to talk about because one section of the Maluku Islands is actually called the Sola Islands. It's, uh, oh man, how do you say these names? There's Sonanza. There's another one. It's like Mongoli. And then there's Tali, Taliabu or Tali, 
a Taliaboo or so I can't say it. But those are the only group of islands from the Maluku's that are still in the Wallace line. And they're very close to Sulawesi. They're like right off the East Coast. But those snakes actually carry the same look and traits as the rest of the Maluku's. And by Maluku's, I mean from the central up to Halmahera and Morarate. Because uh, once you get to the Banda, Banda Arc, uh, then you get into, you know, Ambon, the, the, the Malacans, the Southerns, Ambon, Siram, and that group. But, yeah, I will show you, where is it at? Here's a Sananza, a, a Sanana. It, it, some of these words are kind of strange. But this is one of the nicest ones out of those centrals that I've ever seen. Did you send that over Facebook? Yeah. And then... Uh, where's another one? But they, they have a very, you can tell they're, they're within the same evolutionary track as, uh, as the Turnates Halmaharas. But, Nathan, you know, did you get it? Yeah, I just hit send. Oh, cool. Okay. This, this, this was a more of a, a darker, uh, well, a thicker black, more of a silver face. And then you get more into the, uh, darker red face like you're seeing and, uh, some of the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Did that come through? Yeah, I got it here. And um, what we're, for those of you just listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, you won't be able to see this. So, this is a good opportunity for you guys to learn. Go to our YouTube so you can actually see the images that he's sending over that we're going to include in the video. Um, so, I, I have a question for you. So, I know that there <laughs> is this, you know, with the spreading of islands, and there's a part of Maluku animals that um, there's you know, Sula's oftentimes will have these donut patterns along their neck and towards their striping. They'll have the chainsaw as well. But I also notice in some of the Ternates and Halmaheras, they have the tendency for some of them to also have that donut-like pattern. And do you think that that's because there's part of that Maluku region that's still northern part of the Sula chain? I, I, I kind of think uh, that the the Malukus are basically like the the missing link between philippines and saputriae okay so you know what i mean so you kind of like because i have a feeling if you take a, a, a sola and breed it to a a phil you're going to get a very northern maluku looking animal just like when you look at the southern malukus the malacans you look at you know an ambon or a siram and it's basically if you took a sola wesi and bred it to anything out of the lesser sundas okay. you know you know because i mean they definitely have that look you know, of, of just combined traits. And, and I, one study they did do, and I can't remember which paper it was, they did do some genetic testing on fills and some halmas, and it looked like the halmas were actually closer genetically to, to the fills. Okay. So I, I do think, I, you know, as far as back pattern goes, you know, there's so much variation across the board. I don't know if, if that's even... I don't know if back pattern is even relevant in terms of locality um, relation to other island groups because there's so many polygenic possible lineups. And I, I just think you're kind of seeing what works if for a survival type pattern and hiding in that kind of situation. Gotcha. And yeah, that, I feel like that's a fair statement. Um, so let's talk about, so when did Turnates and... Halmaheras get into the U.S. 2013. Um, now, Halmas had came in before that, but very few, and nobody was really kind of like paying attention. 
that you know and, and well you have them so you know how amazingly friendly the Hamas are you know what i mean so there wasn't there wasn't a demand you know it's like they get in this dark snake that just wants to bite you like nobody wants that yeah my, i mean my male is a freaking angel dude my male my male i can like go in and just grab it but my female wants to eat me and she's like yeah she's like as thin as my pinky yeah <laughs> yeah yeah they yeah they're they're fun but um well, I'll post up a picture of a home or, or Ronnie, if you want to send me one too, um, while I'm talking about this. But one thing that I love about the home is it's just how dark they are. Um, there's no other locality out there that's really like that. They have like this black look that that is like an undertone with these dark chocolate and orange fixtures that go along the dorsal pattern with some pretty deep reds. I don't. You could tell me if I'm off with this or not, Rodney, but. Um, there, there's something that if you look at a Homahera, even if you look at a Homahera next to a Ternate, which they're, they're yeah. pretty close together, they're, they're substantially different. Yeah. Yeah. And it's pretty noticeable. It's, it's a lot easier to tell in person. I'm trying to, I'm, I jumped on my, uh, my website. Let me, uh, I don't think I can drag this image. Um, I'll just copy it and send it to you real quick. Um, yeah, but there is some variation in those, I mean, that's your standard, like super dark Saputria, like uh, next level, you know, darkness from uh, Saputria. But um, it, it's, I don't know, man. I've seen some pretty dark Slayers in person, and they're still, yeah, they, they still, they're still. Slayers have like an orange undertone with their darkness. You can see the red blushing coming in through their, where, where their dorsal pattern isn't, but where, where there's not color, in my opinion, where there's not color in Homoharas. It just looks black. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. They basically have this kind of here. Here's a pretty classic looking. Uh, I just sent you on on Facebook a pretty classic mm-hmm. looking uh, Halma. I forget what region that was out of. It starts with a T. Now there is some other ones that are a little lighter color, and I have to look through these pictures until I find it. But uh, you know, there's there's a little more variation than you realize. But I think. Uh, there's still uh, a lot more variation on turn eight, which is strange because it's, you know, a like, smaller island. yeah, it's like less than a hundred miles, hundred square miles. And, and uh, Hamahara is like 6,000. So it's kind of strange that there's that much of a, a variation uh, on such a small island yet. We're not from what we've seen. We just haven't seen that much variation out of, out of Hamahara. The uh, one thing I've noticed, though, on them is uh, they do have a different egg size and a different uh, hatchling size. So, you know, uh, you know, how uh, uh, my egg is typically j- 200, just a little over where a turn eight egg is typically about 180 uh, grams. Okay. And, uh, you know, and those those how uh, hatchlings, they're typically like 150 to 180. And those turn eights are they're. I've had some, my smallest that wasn't like a straight runt was 86 grams. Um, then my largest was uh, 132 grams. Oh, that's a, that's a good size baby. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. So there's definitely a range, but you know, there's still that environmental factor on, on, uh, embryo the development. yeah. So, yeah. So it, it could, you know, sometimes you have bigger babies, but you know, if you incubate a, a degree or two colder, have a little extra, uh, moisture in there you get a much larger baby than you do it yeah. you know two degrees warmer and less humidity and i don't yeah. think people and that's the one thing that i'm seeing right now with this uh my bloodline smaller than your bloodline craze 
is this mm-hmm. uh, this hatchling size uh, thinking it's 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 going to tell you more than it than it really will about overall potential growth. So speaking oh, no, of potential, I was a wide range even within my first clutch of hatchling sizes. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. yeah, and that's the thing. And and if you mess with temps and mess with humidity, you'll you can make them really small or you can make them really big. Yeah, and what's crazy is that like I remember there was a single egg from my Kaiwati <clears> clutch. <throat> Um, this, this last Kaiwati clutch that I had, or my only Kaiwati clutch, but, um, there was one egg that was on the top that I put there intentionally. That was a lot like visually a lot smaller, um, and weighed a lot less. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but, um, then the other eggs and I left it on top because I intentionally wanted to see what the baby was going to look like versus all the other ones. Yeah. That baby absorbed everything and was bigger than probably half the clutch. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and you still see that, you know, you still see that very variation in uh, egg size. Yeah. Um, one thing that I saw in Superdorf that I've never seen in another retic was uh, like oversized eggs, like that clutch of uh, like we're like those F ones that uh, uh, Chris Wilson's working with, for example. Um, I only got one clutch out of that snake, and that's because she got egg bound. She laid, she laid. 12 good normal size super dwarf eggs and then got impacted with these like giant like for some reason she got five eggs that were over twice the size of the rest of the clutch oh and she yeah so i mean i don't i don't i have no idea what caused that i don't know if that was like a half reabsorbed follicle that got reshelled the next season you know what i mean so i i really don't know what that was but you know i have seen a, a pretty big swing in super dwarf production uh, you know, of an egg being, you know, two and a half times the size of that it should be. Yeah. And that doesn't help when they already have all those egg bound issues. Yeah. And just as a reference for you guys, so he was talking about these, these uh, turnate eggs being, uh, what size, 180 grams? 180 to two. Yeah. So my, my average um, weight for my Kalatoa on two out of the three years that she's laid for me has Ooh. been, um, has been 92 grams. Um but, you know, and, and that's, I think it's a good point that I want to talk over. Um, you originally had, or you've worked with a long time, um, what was it? Six points. So 11 wild caught Palmaheras, uh, or I'm sorry, turnates. Um, I, I, let's talk about the size of turnates and size expectations and what we're seeing in your wild caught animals and then your F1s. And now you have F2s that just hatch. And so, because I know a lot of people are are like, there's this idea of like our turnates quote unquote dwarf. Are we going to label them a marketing term of dwarf? What's their size potential and range that we've seen so far in the U S that was kind of, Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. You're good. No, I was just going to say, I kind of wanted you just to give an overall sales pitch of turnate or turnate, however you decide to pronounce it. But I, I know for me, size is huge i you know that's can't, what she said can't deal with more well i can't deal with more than what i can deal with on my own i don't have someone else here so you know like the color alone i think sells most people but what else about turnates makes them so great and why should people be keeping them more yeah well i i'll talk about the size first um I didn't, when I started, I saw a picture of one and I didn't care if it was, it got three foot feet or 30 feet. I didn't care. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I, I saw the color and I saw the pattern. I was like, well, this is what I want. 
and I had um, back surgery. That's why I care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I get that. So, um, I, I honestly didn't know. I got a bunch of them in and I had, I looked up the Island and it was small. And I talked to the people on the Island and they said, well, you know, we found a couple, but you know, that were large, but they're always like next to like a village or a farm and they're eating, you know, big stuff. Um, but I, I pushed mine pretty hard. I got one female, probably 13, 13 and a half feet. The next largest is, um, she's probably 12. Then it just tapers off from there. Well, and we've talked about this in one of our last episodes, size expectations, but what's body composition like, like on that 13 foot female that you got they're, as big as you could. They're, they're how, built how more, they're built more like a Sapucheri versus like a Southern Philippine, like, like a Southern Philippine, they're super skinny snakes. Like Malaysians are typically super, pretty thin. They're definitely a heavier body composition. Um, and I had to back off, uh, you know, on some food on mine because they were starting to get a little, little too thick because the growth had really had basically is shut down. Um, but I would say your average size of a, of a turn eight is, is going to be in that nine to nine to 12 range. You know, I'm not going to pretend like they're going to stay six feet, you know, but the thing, the thing for me yeah. is they fit in a six foot cage and that's what I want to produce. I want to produce because people have access, easy access to six footers, you know, yeah. and you know, an 11 foot snake does fit relatively well in a, in a six foot cage, Yeah, especially if it's three feet deep. Yeah. And I will oh, yeah. say, I will say that Rod, I, my, my female from clutch six um, that Rodney did um, was from a, a smaller pairing, and I, I've I've been pushing my female really hard. I've talked to you about this, Nathan. I was I've been pushing her hard, and she is going to be four years old in June, and she's she's seven and a half feet. Um, I can't I can't I'm I've been pushing her. <laughs> yeah, and and that's pretty much what I'm seeing. You know, I'm I'm seeing a, a rather it's it's pretty easy to get them up to six feet. But to get them to that eight, like get them to like eight, nine foot mark where you kind of want them for breeding, it's, it takes a lot of food. It take, you know, it's, and that's what I, that's why I was like, well, you know, based on what I've seen off of 11 wild caught adults, um, and based off what I'm seeing off of, you know, uh, all those F1 clutches, it, they fall in the range of a dwarf, which is completely relative because it's like, oh, it's dwarf. It stays under 14 feet, you know? So there's a relativity of it, but, you know, I mean, I, I've seen a lot more jamps, a lot bigger than my largest turn eight. <laughs> so. And Solaire, Solaire's yeah. a whole different I've story too. Huge jamps, huge Solaire's. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's, it's a retake. all very relative. Well, and that's all yeah. why I specifically only work with Kalatoa crosses right now is because I can count on them at least being small. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I would put, well, right now my F1s aren't that big because they're not that old, like the breeders, but they're all like super dwarf size, like female super dwarf size right now. Like, you know, I just had an eight footer drop 10 eggs, you know, so like at four years old, you're going to be having a super dwarf size animal at 15, probably not, you know, yeah. and, and even a 15 year old Calato is probably going <laughs> to be a little bigger than you might expect. Yeah. And well, I mean, I hope in 15 years, I'd, I'd be a little bit more apt to have something a little bit bigger, you know, experience. Yeah. Will yeah I mean, I, 
to, to me, the main selling point on the turn eights, um, besides their manageable size, because I consider them a manageable size snake. Um, it, it's well, there's there's two things. One, the sustainability of them, because we're at twelve F1 clutches produced from five point five wild caught. So, you know, they're as of right now. Yeah, yeah. As of right now, they're probably the most sustainable locality you know as it sits right now but uh i i can't uh, you know i can't find a, a retic that competes in color and pattern and, and that's my that's so on on that note what do you think if someone were to cross a turn eight into something what would be the best project to cross it in yes probably we talking locale we talking morph both locale and morph. I I'm, I know you've done a little bit of both. Uh, your turnate marbles were some of my favorite marbles I've ever seen in my life. So, yeah. I would say any super dwarf um, is going to be a good cross. You know, in you know the more aberrant pattern super dwarf, the better. Uh, that's just that, bring more color too. Yeah, yeah. So you're kind of you're going to lose a little color. You're going to lose a little black, but you're also going to lose a little size and i think that's an acceptable acceptable loss you know because right. i just you know i just got that clutch i just redid the same breeding with the andrews male and that and i used the largest turn eight i have because i was like well you know i i kind of you know she's only 13 feet or so so you know if i can take if i shave two feet off of that that's in my opinion you know 10 11 foot females that's like the perfect size breeder so I got that clutch in the incubator, which is more than five good eggs this year, thankfully. Um, but, you know, I, I think Superdorf for sure. Everybody, for some reason, wants me to do a turn eight Sulawesi cross, um, which I'm sure will look nice. But I don't you know what I mean? It's you know, I don't that, that that's a that's a whole different I, conversation. I kinda, I'm with you on that. I, you, I, you have a I, yeah. it would be cool, but I don't see the point. You have yeah. a mail at your disposal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm way more concerned about trying to make a clutch of pure solas first, you know. Um, right. You know, that's that's kind of like goal one, since I think this is the last uh potential new bloodline here at my house. I don't I don't is there I don't think there's any other like bloodlines that haven't already produced out there for solo essays, that is. Not nope. that I know of. No, I mean, and I've, I've, I'm sure I've, there's some somewhere in some random dude's basement that we don't know right. about. I've I've talked to a lot of the Sula people that are Sula fanatics, and um, a lot of them are are very much aware of your wild caught pair and just playing the waiting game. She laid, she dropped the clutch of slugs two seasons ago, and it really took her took it out of her. I was surprised, and then um, she she just went off food. Uh, last week, uh, they've they had they locked up once so far. So, oh, that's so, huge progress. Yeah, yeah. Solos are a little tougher to breed than other localities, but uh, but well, yeah. But back to the turnates though. Uh, Morse, um, that's a little tricky because you know I was fortunate enough to get uh, so many turnates that I kind of wasn't locked into like one set of genetic like phenotype expression. So I've been able to mix and match for for back pattern, side pattern, colors, you know, all of that stuff. So um, it pretty much any morph, it, as long as you use the right turn eight. So hear me uh, out. Offhand, do you have a, a picture of maybe your favorite expression of turn eight? 
I could, I could, I could put my mail up on here. I, I feel like Rodney sold me this mail when he was over a year old, and and I'll put up my mail against any one of his turnates. <laughs> I have, I have. Where's it at? You know what? It's on my. While, while you're looking for it and you're sending me the picture for me to add, I will also drop a picture of my male turnate who has just the sickest pattern. Let me see. I don't think I can pull this off of here. It's right on my website. It's like a big picture. He's, he's on this log, and uh, he's he's averaging two to three scales thick of black, real jagged, jagged pattern. Um, that's Is what that I like. Is that your floating log set up? Uh, yeah. Yeah. This is an old pick. He's actually, he was just breeding. Uh, uh, this was like, he was less than a year old in this pick, I think. Uh, but no, he was just locked up, uh, a couple, about a month ago with a snake. I'm waiting, I'm waiting on his clutch. I'm actually, I'm hoping this works because the whole reason I did that breeding was he had some pretty thick, jagged back pattern. Um, he had a lot of connecting black that connected from the back diamonds around the white to the belly scale. And the female I ran them to has a very similar structure. So I'm hoping if this breeding goes through, it will produce a retic that has the most black scales on it ever produced in captivity. Because they both got black bellies. They have a lot of black that connects, you know, the whole way from the back diamond through the white down to the belly scale. So I'm, that was, that's what I'm trying to do. And then okay. once I do that, then take it into T-positives. To, to get all that crazy contrast like indos yeah yeah, yeah take take it into indos i so hear, hear me out let me let me play devil's advocate here i want to hear your thoughts because you understand polygenic traits pretty well you talk a lot about them on your patreon um and you also are very active on facebook in regards to talking about just not breeding the same status quo animal and trying to specifically do polygenic traits but so let's talk about the more phantom when you think about a phantom it reduces a lot of pattern and it brings it all the way up to the top what yeah. are your thoughts on taking a crazy busy animal like a turnate and seeing if we can manipulate pattern to be a lot more complex and busy while also and so phantoms tend to have outside of putting a phantom to like a kalatoa phantoms are very vibrant morphs so adding yeah adding the turnate color and maybe that crazy pattern to see what happens along the back. Well, I already did that. Oh, that's right. You did. I, I, was, thinking you, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking you only did that with the Philippines. No, no. Uh, I have what I consider probably the, be the nicest phantom in existence sitting downstairs. And it is. Picture of that, please. Uh, yeah, let me, I'll have to, I, what I, you know what? I just took, let me see if it's on my phone. I think I just took a picture of it. <laughs> um, it is 50% uh, turnate, 12.5 jam, 12.5 madu, and 6.25 kalatoa. Oh, that's a great mix. Yeah, right. so it's it's not like it's just like, I mean... There's, it's, some, there's it, some breeders out there making the claim that a bunch of different localities is pointless, but uh, is, I won't would go it be, that. Would it be the same breeders that doesn't have the snakes to do it? <laughs> <laughs> sometimes sometimes when you don't have the ability to do something it seems like a bad idea yeah um, yeah i don't but... know why you would think that though like i don't understand like i just did a breeding that most people are going to think are st is stupid i just bred a turnate to a philippine and no one's going to understand why i did that i i had thoughts on doing that with the philippines i have here why not yeah i don't know where that picture went but i mean i what i'll do is i was after this i'll just i'll send you a picture you can plug it in um yeah, but no, yeah i mean you can it, always do it in post 
Yeah, and the and the uh, the phantom fills are are gorgeous too. Like yeah. they're in they're the same. They got all the same stuff except they got fifty percent fill instead of fifty percent turnate. Um, but yeah, I mean it's. I have a hold back male because there's only one male in that clutch, and he actually has really thick back pattern. And that's what I want to see happen more with phantoms because it's pretty thin. Yeah, actually what I'm trying to do, since I can't get any more Philippines in, the whole reason I did that breeding is because I mean, want... You mean because we can't get any more retics? <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 wait. This is kind of what I wanted to jump to before we get too far away from what you said earlier uh, with the guy that may have the secret Sule in his basement. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if either of you guys have read... Uh, on the history of just reptile smuggling in general in this country, but there's a couple good books, The Lizard King and, oh, fuck, I can't remember, the uh, Hidden World or something like yeah. that. Um, but it, it outlines just kind of the reptile smuggling into the U.S. How much of that do you think is actually going on still? Uh, well, I I can tell you there's not much in retix because no one's offered me anything. That yeah, that's kind well, of I, what I, I'm referring. I, to. I, 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 mean, I, I like, do I do know of one thing that kind of recently happened, even just this last year. I'm not going to just even throw it out there. It's happening. Might be seldomly. This was a a sought after morph um, <clears throat> that that was you know Did they it start they, with an A. No, that's no, with and it's with a, a no. tech. No, no, no. I, dude, are you kidding me? I, I would be so excited about Aztec happening in here, but no. Um, no, this was something that, that has been – like we know we've had them in a while. It's taken a while to breed them. Um, but there was another group of animals that came in that would have completely blown the market for them. Um, I'm going to stop talking because that even just that much is a lot. Um, well, here here's what I'm going for because my favorite retic is actually um, a Luzon Philippine. And um, they just have a little bit better color than, you know, some of the southern fills. Where's Luzon compared to Mindanao? It's it's north. It's a giant island north. It has those uh, big man-eaters. That's not where Tribal came from? Tribal's from Bowl. Okay. But here, this, so this is... this is where the new stories are popping up from? Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to use some um, Ternate uh, color to kind of hopefully... Why is this not letting me this attach this? Oh, I can drag it. Um, to kind of add some oranges and yellows and get some more crazy back patterns. So I did a breeding in hopes that it creates an animal like this. Are you also sending these to Nathan? Yes. Okay, cool. I just want to, I just sent this one over, but oh, dude. So honestly, because that's that, pretty much the best looking retake in the world. That color right there. I'm going to pop this up on the screen, but just so that you guys are, if you're just listening, if you guys have seen a crazy busy turnate pattern, it's just like that, but it has gold and silvers that you would see in the Mindanao Philippines. So I can see exactly why you would pair those two together. I'm going to send you some more Luzons. It, it's so crazy. You almost start to think it's a morph? calico. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, here's here's some more. Uh, you can get lost. Ones. You can get lost in that pattern. Like, where does the snake? What's start up and with end? its head? Eh, just uh, probably pushing. Yeah, probably just yeah. fucked okay. this up. Yeah, yeah, it's just got to cut it's a little bit of scale. Up, so, it looks so those cool. are yeah. those are those are Luzon <laughs> Philippines. Yeah, and those are Luzons. Do you know if any of those have ever been proven out? So, like the middle one that you sent us, and I'll pull this up here. Um, 
that that looks like a a morph. Cost, that almost, yeah, that almost looks kind of like a a crazy complex Borneo as well. Yeah, it's it's. I don't think so. Um, you know, cause it's kind of like before Philippine uh, got shut down in the '90s. You know, I mean, the, you know, people could have got these animals. That's what sucks. You know, it's like all those animals that that were here, and I mean, there's still some like Thai blood floating around. But I mean, it's just it's just a shitty that like nobody thought to like okay, let's try to get this stuff in and try to you know maintain it because I mean I would love to to be able to you know breed pure Luzons and be producing animals like this. I wouldn't need a morph in my collection if I could if that, I had normals that look like this. That frustrates me. Like even with the Philippine tribal <clears throat> stuff, like the tribal stuff, I cannot stand when people start to cross that in with other motleys. Yeah, because it kills it. It kills it, that it, back pattern. Well, not just kills the back patterns, but now you have a, uh, you don't know which, like you're you're just dirtying the water of a motley and a tribal. When you, we need to make sure that we're keeping them separate. So, like the same thing that that like we see in the ocelot that we might have found a new anery line within a mainland blood. Like we should not be crossing that into Superdorf until we can actually establish a mainland uh, population. Exactly. Well, here's the other thing: the snake you're talking about. Let me pull this up. I think I have a picture. You know how they're talking about the possible anery in it, and I don't know if that's anery. Um, it's probably. Uh, are you going to show me that Halmahera? Which which Halma do you want to see? No, are you talking about the picture no. that you're trying to pull up? No, I'm trying to pull up the uh, second uh, ocelot that was caught. Because the super it... red one. No, the super silver one. Oh, I don't know if you've ever seen this. I have to look through like a hundred picks real quick. Give me a second. Um, while, we're... Any... while I'm looking through picks, is there anything else you want to see? Because there's a good chance I ha I have it in front of me right now. I well, actually, why don't you go ahead and just bring up since I mentioned it? Since and this is a Maluku topic, um, a lot of people have asked me personally, like, "Hey, do you know of any like Anri Turnates or any Anri Halmaheras?" And there was a picture that you sent me a while back of what could be. And Anri Halmahera, which I think a lot of people, when they look at how dark Halmaheras are, like for me, that was the only reason why I got an ant, a visual Anri Jampea, was because yeah. I, I need to try to make an Anri Halmahera. Well, you know, the other nice. The other nice thing about using Saputri or Halma is the ridiculous amount of red pigment. And now, and, and when you have that, you have anery gene, so it shuts it off. So now you're not in a position anymore to play a guessing game on what's anery and what's not. Because you can't mistake, this isn't a Halma, but this is the second ocelot that was found. And it was found, it was two or four years later, and it was found almost in the exact same spot as the original. Yeah, so very silver. It doesn't have the red. Um, what's crazy about this one is I don't see that yellow head that you typically see with them. I was just about to say that. Yeah, well, here's yeah. the original. Yeah, the original's crazy red. Oh, well, that... you can't see it in this. This was kind of a shitty pick. But this is the original male. Okay. Yeah, that's well, the line that they bred at the farm okay. in Indo. And, and yeah, because he's got the yellow head. He's got that. He's got that eastern javan yellow head on him rodney you're gonna have me go to work on editing why <laughs> <laughs> these videos with all these pictures <laughs> yeah well this is a little off topic but here's a wild did you ever see the uh wild caught i forget which philippine island it came from but it was a wild caught t positive uh 
Yeah, you did. I mean, I've seen it. I don't know. Nate, go ahead and send it to me and Nathan. Uh, I may have seen it. This is like the greatest looking. Oh, yeah, this is like the greatest like albino ever. Yeah, so this is a T positive Philippine. Yeah, wild caught Phil. Look how dark that is. That looks like caramel. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely like an Indo type gene. Um, I don't know where that picture is of that uh, uh, annery looking uh, halma because my R and B reptiles Facebook got taken down. So I we lost we just lost all that data. Along oh, with everyone else's, it's. Wild. I'm trying. I'm trying to be patient and not make a new page just because mine's still under review. But I'm about to just throw in the towel. I'm frustrated. Well, as hell. it's really frustrating for for me because the largest source of information on locality retics was the old Indonesian reticulated reticulated python lovers group. Um, that was the like number one source for for me, and when. And when uh, Facebook put that ban on reptile cells, they took that down immediately. And there was, you know, there was probably a hundred localities on that page. Yeah. You know, and that, that was just crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that was, that was a huge loss. Here is, oh, here's my aberrant. Uh, Hold on. She, I want to, I want to just go ahead and send that, but I want you send that Anri Helmahera picture. I don't know where the hell it's at. It's on your Patreon. Oh, is it? Hold on, let me pull up my Patreon. <laughs> Hold on, let me pull up my Patreon. I'll probably just cut this out and pull it. <laughs> I have it. Um, but yeah, so I I want to ask you real quick. Uh, a lot of people ask me, what's the difference between a Halmahera and a Ternate? And, you know, for those of us that, that have them each in our our collection, it's easy to tell. But can you talk about the differences in size in at least the demeanor of the ones that we have here? Just kind of talk about the difference between the two and then also... Um, I would like to hear you talk a little bit about the limited diversity within Halma Harris and like where the hell any of the other ones are. Um, I don't recommend Halma Harris for most people. Like, I guess that's the best way to, to, to kind of tell the, like for me to like say, well, what's the difference between a Halma Hara and a Ternate? It's like, well, don't get a Halma Hara if you don't like bleeding. Um, <laughs> because they, Ternate babies are scared Halma babies are not scared. They're just they're like, okay, we're gonna fight, right? You know? They see, they see. So they're 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 defensive because like there's that natural fight flight, you know. Yeah, but in, they go into in, fight. In, Turn it yeah. goes into flight. Halma goes into like exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah, Halma yeah. will will square up with you for ten rounds. Yeah, yeah, it, it is crazy. the The main <laughs> thing with them I see is they do have. I think their body is a little bit more slender. Um, now this is, this is very limited data because there's so few. I, I had 2.2 and 1.1 died, um, unfortunately. Uh, but, you know, there's very limited data on them. But I, I would say that's the main difference is, uh, is their temperament. I mean, their, their head structure is definitely different. I don't know if you've noticed that by looking at yours, but you can, you, they, tend to have a little bit longer thinner snout than a than a turnate yeah turnates kind of and again turnates kind of remind me of that bulldog saputriae kind of head shape yeah yeah and, and even other um even even other small islands next to turnate which i can show you right now um also have that 
and uh, let me let me get back on my website because um, I can show you Tadori and McKeon. Um, I, I don't have a lot of pictures uh, of those, unfortunately. And those are Malukus, correct? Yeah, the uh, Tadori is right under um, uh, Ternate, and then there's McKeon, McKeon. That's there's uh, two little islands, and then and there's McKeon, um, and they. They look very, very... Actually, you know what? I know where I put those. I put those in here. Um, here's Tadori. Here is Tadori. This is this is kind of a, a blurry pick, but this was sent to me from Indonesia. So, that, yeah, so that's a Tadori. I should okay, have another I've, one here. I've seen that picture around. It reminds me it has like a Ternate type of pattern yeah. but it, it has a it's, lot it's a of little... the has a lot of the uh the reds that you the deep reds that you would see in the homa but without the black yeah yeah so i mean it's definitely um you know it's definitely got that look and here's a mccann that second one you sent okay and what's what's what i really like about the maluku region i mean you can see the malukus there's subtle differences between them but at the end of the day I still think out of any other region in Indonesia, they have the most complex pattern. Yeah. Like yeah Nathan, I want to hear Nathan's thoughts on that. Like out of all these pictures that he's sending us and that we're putting up on the video, like is there pattern? I don't know. I, is there another locality that has crazy pattern like that other than maybe Borneo? Well, here is uh, well, I'll give you this. This is an island just north of Hama, Morarate. Um, and you can, you can definitely see the, a similarity there um yeah so you can definitely see that similarity in the back pattern and side pattern but yeah it's i i don't know of any other place other than philippines i really like those like super slim like silver flames that they get yeah and then the crazy back pattern then yeah just for whatever reason the color my male my blown out and you get a ton more contrast. My male has wider silver flames. Um, yeah. but what's cool about it is that the tip of the silver flames at the very top connect to the dorsal stripe. Oh, really? Yeah, so it looks so freaking cool. It, it's 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 pretty incredible. Oh, here's a picture right in front of me I'll send you because you might want to see it. Here is the Anary Madu that uh I, it just happens to be sitting here next to some of these other pictures, so I'll send it to you. Here, here's the Anary Madu that started the the Madu Anary line of uh, Madus. Well, it's pretty much the only established line in the country of Madus. Here in the U.S. Yeah, is that your picture? Yeah, that's a yeah. I I should have a picture of him breeding. Somewhere I have a picture of him locked up with the Madu, and that's so, that's that line that started like the like the main. Yeah. Uh, oh. You said you wanted me to show you like my actual favorite look of a turnate. Yeah. Here it is. I was hoping I'd find this picture. I wasn't able to get this snake in because of the band, and I was very disappointed. All right. Um, this is what I've been waiting for. Right there. That's oh yep. Yeah, you sent Ooh. me that picture. That is so clean. Solid stripe almost all the way down the bottom. There's maybe one break. There's yeah. more the tail. There's... There's Kalatoas that oh, would be cute. jealous okay, of that solid that's... stripe. Yeah, that that's one of my that's one of my favorite looks uh, for that, you know. And and it's it, it I'm trying to make that uh, look, but it's uh, yeah, polygenics are a little tougher than people think. K 
can I can I actually you mentioned the word polygenics um, yeah. and I, I feel like because you talk about it a lot we'd be doing our listeners a disservice if if I don't give you the floor to talk about the importance of polygenics and and, and why we need to start changing the way that we just start pairing our animals well I, I don't know anything about polygenics to be honest like because I'm not a scientist but I just rec I recognize that you know, everything is genetic, you know, you're not getting around, it's not just random, you know, it's, you have sets of genes and they line up in certain ways. And when you have, when you have like, uh, something that controls height, that's not a single gene. That's a, a that's multiple genes that interact with another set of multiple genes that come in and then you, that determines how tall you are. So when you're dealing with these back patterns, side patterns, color spectrum, you have this whole group of genes and depending on how they line up, that's what you're going to get. And to some extent you can control that through selective breeding, you know, cause if you, if you, and one of the main ways you see how uh, polygenic works, it's usually when it works against you, when you end up striping something out or you end up with some thinner black or, that, or even or even when you like gene stack morphs and you get a solid <clears throat> color the animal yeah and, and the here's here, that's the big difference between uh breeding like morphs and breeding for traits is you know it, you know g morphs are a little more forgiving when it comes to uh averages you know say like the picture i just sent you of that retic if when i you know i'm going to try to make that snake and I might get lucky and get one out of 10 eggs. You know what I mean? And there's not pe very few people want to play that game. But uh, when you look at the route that mainland breeding has went, which is just ball python gene stacking, um, everything ends up the same snake. And I, I don't want to be a broken record because I make fun of that shit all the time, but you just end up with a big yellow banana. And... And you can't, there's, there's nothing else you can, that's, that's the end result that you're guaranteed to get. Because I don't think people take into consideration when they're gene stacking, what they're actually doing. You're not, when you're morph stacking and you're using these morphs, you're really not adding to color and pattern. You're shutting off a section of polygenic traits. And now people are going to hear this and are like, oh, he's a fucking idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. Because it sounds kind of counterproductive because when you look at the snake and it's all these crazy colors, they're like, what do you mean it doesn't add color? Well, a perfect example is albinism. You know, albinism doesn't add a bunch of bright colors to, to your snake. It shuts off pigment development. So that's what you're left with. So when you start to gene stack and you, you have albinism that shuts off pigment and then you have uh, another a gene uh, that kind of reduces side pattern and then another gene that reduces back pattern and another gene that thins out black like, um, you know, platinum thins out black. Big time. And you see it a lot in the Kalatoas. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so, so you, you're, you're gene stacking with these animals uh, and you're just layer by layer shutting off pattern and color so all that's left is just a handful of colors and uh, a little bit of pattern so you know i look at polygenic production as okay uh, people want a pretty albino snake but they also want some contrast and we don't want to 
end up with a monotone snake with horrible color and horrible contrast. So, you know, there, there's the outcrossing aspect of polygenics, which is great because now you're adding all this fresh blood, wild caught blood into your animals. And that's all great. But at the same time, (coughs) excuse me, you're also adding, um, color and pattern structure back into it. So there's more of that, that a morph would have to fight against to shut off. Right. So you can, you can retain some color, you can retain some pattern, you retain some uh, thickness of black. So if, if, and super dwarfs have, you know, obviously become the way to go in retics and they're already super limited on color spectrum and, and, and pattern, you know, they're, they just, they don't have it, you know, so it's not going to take long for gene stacking in super dwarfs to make worse looking animals than were made in mainlands. That's why it's important. Yeah. And anybody who thinks that you should not combine localities is either a fucking idiot or just <laughs> or just doesn't have the capabilities of doing it. There's Rodney. You've you've <laughs> contained yourself pretty well today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you know uh, what I mean? Like that I mean there there's you either have to have no ability to understand the concept that a five-year-old could understand of what we're talking about, or you just don't have the animals to improve your the, stock. The, the only way that I can see someone be so linear thinking <clears throat> in that concept is if the only thing that they're thinking about is size. size. Yeah. And, that, and the thing is, is that if everyone only focuses on size, which don't get me wrong. I personally do believe the retake industry needs to move to make more manageable size retakes yeah. and make them smaller because at the end of the day, really large retakes don't get treated well. And, yeah. and, and so we definitely need to move towards making small retakes, but like I'm someone who, um, you know, my goal is to make manageable and smaller size retakes, but I have a few pairings that I plan to do in the future. I'm going to be making some sacrifices and taking them into localities that are going to increase the size of the first generation so that I can yeah. then take that result and take it into smaller stuff. Well, and I also think, too, um, you, you know, I think we need a lot more selective breeding before gene stacking. I think I think you need to right. take a single morph and like try make, to make, make it look as nice as you possibly can. Right. And then do something with it. Make the best tiger, make the best marble, make the best albino, make the best phantom, whatever the case may be. But yeah, like, and that's, in in, in my opinion, that's how you sell an animal. Yeah. You just have better, if you have better, if your animals have better aesthetic value, they're going, like, there's, here's the thing in reptiles. There's two things that set prices in reptiles. There's scarcity. That's when you see this super high end price and then every, then people buy it. And then for some reason, they think that $20,000 animal that there was two of, now there's 50 of, or 100 of, is still $20,000, and no one can figure out why the price comes down. Okay, so there's that, which is just always a steady decline. And then there's something that, that holds price, and that's aesthetic value. There's a reason a purple albino has basically sold for the same price for 10 years. And, you know, like, uh, you know, it, and to this day... A purple albino is probably going to sell before a motley and for more money. You know what I mean? It's just it just people feel that the aesthetic value of the animal is 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 worth the money. Yeah. Um, 
Speaking of money, I want to talk about something off topic. How to make a million dollars? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> not how to make a million dollars. But um, have you started recording? Oh, that's just funny with uh, the email that Lucas and I got the other day. <laughs> oh yeah, we're we're gonna be on a podcast on Monday, or at least recording a <laughs> podcast that uh, um, that. Honestly, I think he saw your episode that you. Oh, that, really? <laughs> so, so we're gonna be on a podcast that that this dude does more of like a um, uh, between two ferns. So, like he asks kind of like dickhead questions, but in a light okay. way. Um, and so, um, he he asked the questions for both of us. Uh, when did you make your first million dollars breeding retakes? Oh, really? Um, but yeah. Um, speaking of of that, I wanted to ask: Did you start recording uh, birds outside for people who have cats? <laughs> no, I'm working they... on that. I'm going to get a third camera. I'm going. I think. I, I think I'm going to get the uh, Fuji XH2S. I think I'm going to get Na- that. Nathan, this guy calls me one day. Rodney calls me up, and he's like, "I just came across a page that has like." over a hundred million views and what he does is he gets a nice camera and he records birds outside he puts it up on youtube for cat owners to play on their tv while they're gone i've played these for for my cats dude rodney absolutely yeah no i'm gonna i'm gonna start i'm gonna start doing it i want to start like yeah rodney go for it i'll play your channel for my cats as i leave yeah there's there's people making six figures taking videos of birds right now so i want to get in on that that's insane and what's crazy is that people leave their house for eight to ten like can you imagine the view hours yeah that's that's why massive view hours the one dude has a i watched the one dude he's he's got a, a, a right around 500 million views it's insane on his channel yeah and it's just it's just birds it's crazy but uh, oh, is there man. any other? Yeah, I, I'm looking at a bunch of pictures. Uh, is there any other crazy stuff you want to see? You want to see some Sulawesi variation? <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm always down. Here is uh, this is uh, this animal made it to the UK. It went before I could get my hands on it. Um, yeah, I I don't know. You've probably never seen this picture. This is from a southeastern Sula. This is a Kandari region, and uh, you're gonna like this. Dude, that pattern, that dorsal pattern is like it, it made it to Europe and I lost track of it. And that yellow head. Yeah, that's a really bright yellow head for a sola. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've seen some sulas that have some decent yellow heads, but the thing about most sulas is that they they tend to dole out past the head. Well, but this, yeah. This, this one has the good thing con- is yellow. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a really pretty snake. Um I, I think that might be in the same range. I think that might come from the same range as the Progshy berm, the dwarf berms on Sulawesi, and I think it overlaps in that region as well. I'm trying to find someone. There was three clutches produced in the U.S. this year for the first time in a while, and I'm well, just be to... careful because not the just because they're out of uh, Indo don't mean they're Progshy. No, I know because there's but, there's I mean, berms there's berms littered throughout the Lesser Sundas. I've been following prog shies for a while. When you know a prog shy pattern, it's yeah. not it's not that difficult to spot. Yeah, they're pretty easy to tell. Um I you know, I was hoping um I was you know, a lot of people are like really okay with the fact that we can't import anymore. And um and I know I know why they're okay with it, because that's the reason the price is up so high. And I, I would sacrifice some price for some for some new animals. Um and you know, 
before before you before you continue, Rodney, hold that thought because I want to. I'll share my opinions after you, Ronnie, but I want to hear Nathan's opinions as well. Nathan, what do you think about, like, should we, would you like to be able to re-import or not? 100%. I don't think there, there should be any reason we, we shouldn't be able to utilize the same bloodlines that we're seeing within the UK. Um, yeah, especially if we're, I, yeah, especially no, getting out of the UK. See, I just don't see the need. Um, and especially with how bottlenecked all of our bloodlines are here, I think importation would probably be one of the most important things we could get. But do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. My, 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 I would be divorced in two seconds because I would have about 15 localities in my garage within the first like six months. I have a bit more self-control, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't. Get it. <laughs> um, I, well, Rod, Rodney, I'm going to leave your thoughts for last. I'm going to give my thoughts because I feel like yours are definitely going to be a lot more well thought out. But like, I, I'm kind of mixed up. Like, clearly, me as a hobbyist and a breeder would love importation to come back in. We'd get a lot more localities. We'd get better. We, we'd get new bloodline. We'd get. And on top of that, we we now that we've learned the mistakes that we've made of not tracing and not being really careful with documentation and, and bringing animals in, it, it would be a nice, like, fresh start. Um, it would probably piss a lot of people off. Um, but I also see the downside of it in the sense of, like, I mean, there are so many new people that get into this that are very gun ho Like, I wish I had a wild-caught retic, or there's so many people that just, well, like— let them get one. <laughs> I mean, these, these, well, that's change your mind real quick, but that's the thing though. That's at the cost of the animal. And if, and what we know about wild caught animals is majority of the people that keep them, treat them like absolute crap. So do we need to actually bring more in for them to just be treated like crap because they, they, they don't know how to work with that animal? Well, I, I think quotas would be great. What do you mean? I think, I think if they, I think if us, if the U S said, you know what, fuck it, you can bring reef ticks back in, but each importer, can only bring in 50 that's going to keep the money up that means they're not going to be bringing in the farm hashed out sumatrans they're going to go for some rare higher end localities problem solved i think i think we only have a handful of people that really have the import permits and the will to want to import retics in general if we can limit if we can limit the number of permits and the number of animals that are brought in. But the yeah. thing is, that let, let's let's use, um, and I don't mean to use this in like a bad way, but I'm just thinking about a very reputable person like you know, Bushmaster who, who imports a lot of animals. Once they reach countryside, it, it can get sold to a child. I mean, we, we don't know who ends up keeping them. Well, you know, there was... Because let me I, tell you, let, real quick, let me tell yeah. you, there's a lot of idiots out there that are spending $20,000 plus on retakes right now. That shouldn't be keeping well, retakes. give them my number because they're not calling me. <laughs> um, but, you know, there, there's not as nearly as much demand for, for wild-caught retakes as you think. Because everybody knows, regardless of what kind of locality it is, it's still going to be a wild-caught retake. Um and the well, only even even with the captive bred stuff, when you start getting into breeding them and you're yeah. working with males, the the most docile of male, once he thinks that you're any kind of competition, yeah, is just as bad as a wild caught on their bad day. 
Yeah, I've only ever encountered one locality that was friendly, and that was Karampa. That was that's the that's the only straight out the bag snake that was like seemed like it came out of captivity. You know, I mean, and that and that's, I mean, none uh, the Syrams were as bad if or not evil. Yeah, they were as bad if not worse than Halma's. Um, but no, I I really think like, you know, there there's four islands. Uh, right off Halmahara that are really small uh, right around Ternate and Tadori and McKeon. Um There's Hiri, there's Mayatara, Moti, and Mari. And then there's another, there's a fifth island like out in the middle of nowhere. It's uh, Maju, I believe. In, in the Maluku region? or Yes. Yeah, and you have to zoom in on the map to see them. And they're all the size of like... Uh, Jamp or Jamp to Kalato or Jamp to Karampa. So, you know, Eternate Superdorf. Yeah. And that, and that's like when you say, well, should we get importation back? I say, well, absolutely yes, because I know for a fact that there's Superdorf size islands right next to Ternate and Tadori. And if they have retics on them, they're going to be Superdorf versions of Eternate. And that's like, the best snake ever <laughs> you know what i mean like you're not you're not beating that if you if you can get a if you have a, an animal that looks like a turnate and it's it's averaging under nine feet like that yeah. that's you know that's the you might as well stick your calatoas in the freezer you know because they're not going to be worth nothing <clears throat> you know that's, but i mean that's and, harsh but I, yeah. I hear what you're saying yeah but that's just four or five islands just in that little section and and i mean you look like you look off uh off bhutan i think that's the wakatobi uh region of islands um and then you have right off of the macasar off the uh southwest peninsula peninsula you have tanakiki that has a very i've only ever seen a couple pictures of those those are very interesting <laughs> can i make a comment real quick yeah. I, I feel like rodney could be making all of these crazy ass islands up and i have no clue <laughs> he's like wadakiki yeah. Well, yeah, I'm not a locality guy at all. So when you see me just sitting here, I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well, I mean, even even out of the uh, seven, uh, you know, you have a shit pile of islands like you right next to you got Kalau right next to Jampia. And then right next to that is Bonarate. And then there's a really small island right off the west coast of Jamp. That's uh, oh, it's it's some stupid ass name. Tanha Molly Molly or something like it. Just, I mean, I and out of out of all of all of out of all of these, the only one that I've recognized that you've mentioned is uh, Bonarate. Only only because someone tried to lie to me and sell me a Bonarate Superdorf <laughs> retic. Really? Um, yeah. That and that was just like okay, bye. Um, yeah, but I mean, like it's it, you know now Jamp is in the same situation as Kalatoa. You got Karampa Karumpa. Kalatoa Madu and everybody's like, oh, it's just Jamp. Jamp's not by itself. You got Kalau and Bonarate and the Tana Molly Molly or whatever the hell it's called. Um, you know, so you got you just just by Jamp, you're looking at three more uh, dwarf slash super dwarf uh, potentials right there. You know, and then then you get up into like right off of Solaire, there's a bunch. I can't think of their names off the top of my head. Um, Even and, in the Philippines. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll that, send you the that pictures. That surprises me, Rodney, that you can't think of that off the top of your head. Just yeah. like all, all that you've dropped so far. Right? Well, here I'm going to send you. Here is Seattle. <laughs> Seattle is one of the smaller islands 
Um, I remember you posted this on one of the pages. There was a, a small island, a Superdor-sized island that they found a retic on. Yeah, they're they're a little. Um, let me find a good picture of it. And I mean, and and these wow. and these guys went more the route of uh, of uh, northern Maluku look. I mean, it, it has oh. a little bit of a, a color difference. So while you're looking for that picture and you send it to us, um, I, I guess where my perspective comes from is like, yes, me as a human inherently bad and selfish, I 1000% want to open up importation, but seeing that we can't even keep captive bred mainland retics alive for 15, 20 years, um, it, just getting more wild caught animals is going to lead to more neglect and more. It's just, it's not ultimately, it's great for us as a hobby, as an industry. It's horrible for the animals. Well, let me, let me, let me throw out a counter to that. Okay. So there's a, the, so the counter to that argument is, is the negativity that comes with getting import worse than the negativity that comes with not having it. And the negativity of not having it is actually a positive financially because it's it's caused basically price, price gouging and the prices of SDs have went through the roof, right? So now there's there's a much more monetary drive towards these animals for the production for making money. And when when you're doing something strictly for money and it's not really about that animal, uh, you know, so there's there's not any wild caught animals to get neglected, but now there's we're going to see an overproduction of captive born animals that people are going to have a harder time finding homes for because they've all bought the same projects and are now producing the same thing, same animals with the hopes of you know making getting those you know thousand dollar paydays uh, or more on every single animal. So I I, I don't know. I mean, is, is it a zero sum gain? Is you know, is it a trade off? What is it? You you know, I. It's a good point. You know what I mean? So I, I, I think kind of see it the same way. You know, yeah. so I I think there is I I think I think there's there's going to be good good and bad for both, but I think for the long term because you got to remember these people that are are strictly doing this because they think they're going to make a million dollars, they're going to be gone. I've had reptiles since I was five. You know how many people I've seen come and go since I was five? A lot. You know, and, and if you if you stick around even five years in this industry, you'll see a lot of people come and go. You only I have to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just in five years. So, you know, and I'm at I'm at 35 years, you know, so I've seen tons of people come and go and and those people go, you know, and at the end of the day and the locality thing's kind of different, too, because, it, you know, that that's a different that's a different animal right there that that you're that you're working with. And I think. I think locality retics, and I don't, I mean, this, this is going to sound dickheaded, but I think they attract better customers. I mean, it attracts people. So me being just a, a locality <laughs> fanatic um, and even just talking to other locality fanatics, you, you hear more of the passion behind the reason for keeping the animal. And it's, yeah. it, it's more of like that, that nature coming into your home, wanting to observe and, and enjoy. And it's not just the color pattern game not yeah. to say not to say that people who aren't locality people that keep morphs don't love and have the passion for it but i i would say that that statement is i i i can at least i can relate to it in the sense that i care for these animals like crazy and yeah. i could i could lose every morph in my garage right now 
and I, I would still be happy with all the locality stuff I have. Well, well here, here's, here's... I agree with you heartedly on that. I mean, I started out with being introduced to these animals through morphs. So that's where I got my start. But talking with people like you guys, I'm getting more educated and more leaning towards, you know, adding locality stuff into my projects because, you know, I love these animals and what these animals are is, you know, ultimately where they came from. Yeah. yeah. So, well, you know, here's a good example I just sent you guys of, of what I could have got here okay. if we had importation and that is a T positive T positive Sanjihi Island. Um, that's that's another ev- island that you could totally be making up the name. Well, I, t- I tell you, well, that that <laughs> some people might know that island because you know you know that uh, that 2002 paper that that took a look at Jamps and, and uh, yeah. Solaires and this was the other locality that they looked at was Sanjihi, but they had I think they only had like one of them or something. So like it, it like nobody ever talks about about this animal in this paper, but this that uh, animal specifically seemed to have the most unique. Uh, characteristics and be the most distant from the other ones and uh this is the sanjihi group of islands that's right that's just off of uh uh the northern peninsula of sulawesi so it's part of the Sola And for any of you who are looking at this it it has just a ton of contrast it's yeah so you get a orange with like tons of white and then that like back saddle even is like reduced a little bit yeah what i I like about it is it's kind of like a combination with the the endocarmal bright orange and yellows but then it has like almost the rennet goat ghost bone white along the dorsal Mm -hmm. yeah so you get so i mean like that's like that that's like every that's like polygenics already like you got your pattern you got your color you got your morph i mean like you don't you know and and it's sanjihi so it's not a giant island so it's probably dwarfish size so you know having that to start out with your kalatoa crosses or a ternate cross you know that that would be just so much a a much finer option than starting with you know t positives from sumatra or java so, and it, you know, it seems like almost if we were to bring importation back, is we would be reversing the damage that we did early on with these retics, which was basically yeah. just gene stacking and color stacking and, and, and washing out the animals to now we don't have the individual animals to selectively breed and enhance and make better unless you include locality animals. Yeah, that's the only way to do it. That's that's yeah. Yeah, because you can't you can't you really can't thicken up pattern with a morph. You can't you can't add a broader color spectrum with a morph. You can only do that with polygenic traits from localities. I'm trying to find a morph that I can argue with you against that. And I, well, unless you have a melanistic retic that adds black, you're not going to, that's, that's pretty much your only argument. Cause well, I hear, about hear me, hear, hear me out. So we're seeing very high percentages of motleys created in the super dwarf stuff. And courtesy I, of Andrew. No, no, I, that's phantom. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's phantom. Um, but I will say that, that thanks andrew <laughs> that if you look at kalatoas terribly not good with the inky black stuff but if you look at a high percentage of a motley kalatoa yeah. motley does bring back a little bit thicker blacks yeah well yeah and it also because it, it, it kind of like sucks everything to the top yeah you know yeah. what i mean it kind of like it's kind of you know and it, yeah it's one of those things that kind of like pushes things back up to the back whereas like um, you know, I think the marble gene is probably one of the most interesting genes in that it kind of, 
I like I've been trying to understand Marvel. Like I, I've really been trying to figure out like what exactly that gene is. And I it's not Un a unpopular it, opinion, but I, I feel like it it kind of goes the way of Golden Child for me. In what well, sense? Where like you you have so much like variability in it and it washes out so much that it's just not consistent enough for me to want to like put into my projects but i, I, I would I, love to hear I, I i agree in that sense but i agree just because i don't think people have been selectively no like, not at all i so marble in my opinion has been and rodney you can add your thoughts too but well and that's where um, those turnate mar marbles come in is right. those are my favorite marbles i've also, ever seen I'm going to include the picture that my helper, Sean, took. 14 years old, got an iPhone 13 and took a phenomenal picture, like his first picture of a snake with his phone, of a Philippine marble that I have here that Rodney produced from someone else that I'm selling. Um, and again, just with the right localities and gene, it's a incredible, probably the best marble I've seen in person. But like, I think a lot of people just aimlessly took marble two other morphs to, to gene stack. And so what we see a lot with marbles is the stripe out look like someone just posted a picture and uh, today actually of, uh, I took a screenshot cause I was going to send it to Rodney, but um, it was like a 62 and a half percent Superdorf platinum marble. And I looked at the animal and I was like, what's marble about this? Like I, I didn't, I didn't see anything that was marble. And I think marble is one of the great examples of when you don't carefully selectively breed, it could turn into just, I don't want to say trash or garbage because no, still it retakes, turns into straight, right? tra tra straight trash. That's what they, I mean, like, like when I, I like, I was really happy with the marble turnates and marble fills. I, I lean a little more towards the marble, marble turnates, but, uh, smart. It, it wasn't, it wasn't the marble gene that did that. It was all the other shit added to it. I, I you know, I, I got lucky. Me and Andrew did a breeding loan. I sent him a uh, uh, Gaspar line platy. Uh, that's nice. I don't know if you could see the broken up pattern in there. I, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll, that looks nice. I'll bring it up, but yeah, that Philippine marble is insane. But he he, uh, he bred three males to this female. I said, and all three males got her, and we got one marble, and he just gave it to me because he's like, oh, you know, we only got one marble. And it turned out to be that insanely nice male marble I have. That's 25 jam, 25 Kalatoa. So I lucked out, polygenically speaking, on that animal and then used him into, uh, it was actually a Calico Ternate. Is what I because one of my turnates turned calico. Oh, dude, can you send us some pictures of that, man? Uh, I need to get so she's at Andrews right now. I'll have to, I'll have to, yeah, look I up. don't know if that's you well, haven't seen, he, had, he has a video on his YouTube. Of well, that it, tur turnate. it turned silver and then it got really dark. It like it turned like it was like it had two colors, like it was like white and black, and then it like got weird, real, real weird colors and got all this black to it. It's yeah, it's it's a very so, strange so looking snake. Have, have you bred that snake yet? Uh, Andrew bred it to something. So you don't want to you don't want to start pushing the calico lines and charge eight thousand yeah, dollars. Yeah, them? for, for <laughs> yeah, but no, Andrew. Well, next week Andrew's hatch. I think like in a week Andrew's hatching out uh GC turnates. Oh, I've been talking to him a lot about those. Yeah, but but the marble gene to me, like, um, I I I don't think one. I don't think it causes. I don't. This is going to sound stupid, but I don't think it necessarily causes marbling. 
I think I think what it does is it just exaggerates whatever the phenotype expression would have been of the polygenic traits in play. And I know that's kind can of you, a, can you can you explain that to me like I'm five? <laughs> well, I, I think if you have like if you have an animal that kind of has a rounded back pattern, some connected diamonds, that kind of stuff, like just that more of a roundish look, when you breed a marble to it, it stripes it out. When you have an animal that's going to have a sharp pattern and uh, some disconnect, that more like chainsaw look. Yeah, it. I. I. I then it kind of like, it kind of spreads it out, you know. Because like when you look at a marble side, like a side pattern on a marble, there, there, it, it just kind of like like blows up the side pattern basically, and and it, it just it just seems to do like whatever the snake would have looked like normal it just kind of takes all those traits and just exaggerates it so that's that was my thinking when i was like all right i want to make the best looking marble so i picked out the f1 turnate that i thought would make the best looking marble that was breedable at the time and you know i mean it's you're going to be it's going to be hard to beat those marbles like I, trust me, after I got that marble from you, and I have her. She's probably I'm hoping to get her to go at the end of this year. Yeah, I'm I'm on a mission. You kind of set that standard in my mind, and and that's that's I I will always when I work with morphs try to produce the best of each morph, and I that you've set the standard with that. So that's my competition. Well, I, I also I think I'm the first person to ever hatch out a clutch of marbles that didn't have any striped animals. <clears throat> so it wasn't like. I lucked out and hit one. It was, I, I did two clutches that year, one with a fill and one with a turn eight. None of them had striped animals. Yeah. I managed to avoid striping altogether. So, you know, I mean, I must be right about some aspect of this. Yeah. That, that male that you have is, is an asset to the marble, um, to, to marble reproduction. Uh, I was, I, one of the snakes that I was most impressed with that I've done with turn eights was uh the sun tigers so i was gonna say that when we were talking about morphs and like what so nathan asked like what's what what are some things that you're working into he asked this like way earlier on in the podcast one thing that i i i think would go phenomenal <laughs> with turnates is um i mean sunfire i i think in general just a sunfire turnate getting that all the way up to you yeah. know 93.75 percent but um, to have a crazy. Well, and if you have a picture of those, I could easily put those against pictures of some of the Sunfire Tiger, Kalatoa uh, with light jamp influence crosses that I I produce. Yeah, and yeah to actually, show that... the difference between the two. They pretty much smoke like all <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, I mean, I mean, I was I, like, I'm not, I'm not saying that they won't. Like, I, I'm no, I, but I'm it would, saying, it would be. I would so, love so... for people to see the locality influence. Right. That there's a, there's a video. I found a, these... I found a video. Nathan, this is why. This what else? This is why let, we're doing let me this. just pull up my Instagram really quick and see if I can't. Or, or no, better yet, while you guys are talking, I'm going to go through my pictures and in, in my chat with both of you, I'm going to. Yeah. I'm so this, this is, pictures. this is a great topic to topic. And, and we might've talked about it earlier a little bit, but like the importance of like diversifying the looks of certain morphs with localities and, and a, a good reason why we brought Rodney on to talk about Ternate and to talk about Homo hair and the Malukus, um, just the idea that that separating yourself from the rest of the crowd is so important in today's industry with the lack of diversity that we have. And when you have an animal like a Ternate that is 
um, manageably size, you know, that you can start to take into different morphs. Um, you know, if you stick to the Kalatoa, Madu, I don't know if you're if you're crazy enough to spend a lot of money on a Karampa, um, or or if you're working in that line, you know, we we've seen some of the best animals that could potentially come out already in the different morphs with that. Now, you know, you take a different locality that's a manageable size, like a Southern Philippine or, or a Ternate or, or eh, I'm not even going to say Halmahera because again, very, very few people should own Halmaheras, but um, you, you can add a completely different 180 look to the animals that you are um, going to end up producing. And even if you have to sacrifice a little bit of size at First, if you're serious about having a retic breeding business, even if it's a side hobby and you're doing it for yourself, or if you want to make this a full-time gig, um, the only way that you're going to be able to move <coughs> animals and not sit on a bunch of animals is if you separate yourself with locality stuff. And that's why we're talking about Turnates and Halmaharas today. Well, financially, I think it's the best way. Like, I, I don't want to crush anyone's dreams, but... Um... Prices come down. They do, and they will. And, yeah, and so what? So the question you got to ask yourself is: is what's the best way to combat price reduction loss? Yeah, yeah you exactly. Know? And that's to just create stuff that stands out. And so we'll we'll see because uh, I don't have the images in front of me yet. But when when I we'll, just sent Nathan a video of of my Turnate Sun Tigers. He, you just sent me a video. I just sent you a picture, but I believe that one has some anery on top of it. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I'm just I'm not getting any. Um, so when when I sent Rod, it to both of you. So. Oh, there there we go, Rodney. I'm going to put you on the clock. Um, I need you to take a fresh picture of your animal. Um, which one? Of what do you mean? Of your your sunflower. Oh, they're, they're at Andrew's house. He's bringing them back next week. Well, he'd, ta then, he'd, ta he'd take them a, to a show. Find a picture. Don't let the viewers down. Rodney, so so, uh, just for a little transparency, this is the first time like the Rodney have talked. Rodney and I have talked like face to face. Really, like I've complimented you plenty of times on your like photo setup and everything. And I'm pretty silent on social media, but I've always just admired all the the information you've put out there, but, um, oh shit, where was I going with this? Man, I'm losing my train of thought. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I'm just going to scratch my beard until you come up with it. No, no, you should probably just pick it up and cut Wait, that what, out. What was the, uh, what was the, uh, what was the breeding on these, on these, uh, pick this pick you sent me? Nathan? Oh, just... oh, so that was uh, the female was a 75% Kalatoa, 12.5% Jampea. Uh, oh, the the importer was uh, Canadian Reptiles. Okay. Uh, I bought the female from Eric Lee back in 2016, 2015, okay. somewhere around there. You've been keeping for a good amount of time, man. Yeah. See, yeah, see, like when you got that much, when you got that much, uh, you know, SD blood and something like that, like I think like that's a good eye, like that's a good option to run a turnate into, right? You know, that's you know what I mean? Like, well, and that's what I would want a male turnate for is yeah. something like her. She is tiny. just don't just just don't just don't buy it from Rodney. Wait till I produce something yeah. and buy him from me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 would, I would. 
I mean, I'm sorry, Lucas, but I, I would like around. to buy something from Rodney at some point. No, yeah, you, I. You just be careful with, with yeah, just be careful with red phase anything with Suns because that sometimes like like a lot of the the dude you just reminded <laughs> me I'm gonna have to cut this like earlier in the video but yeah. anyways keep going and then I'm gonna ask you well, right back female is a, is a purple head annery she doesn't okay. have any sunfire in her it was the yeah. male that I ran to her. it was a twenty five percent Kalatoa twenty five percent Jamp. Yeah, but oh, yeah. Andrew, you see, you know, whatever bullshit he was. Yeah, but tiger. like, like Sun Sunfire is one of those morphs that you got to be kind of careful with if your pigment's too dark, because I, you know, I've seen some pretty uh, not good looking like Sun Slayers. So like, you got to be careful. Like, like, so be careful. Like with like using a red face turnate. Like if you're trying to do something like add Sunfire into an animal like this, um, like down the road, because like when you get that. You get those browns and stuff from Kalatoa, and then you get too dark of a red from, like, say, it'll a Sapucheri. Yeah, it'll brown out an animal. So unless you're making visual albinos, like, it, it yeah, you, you, it's, it's really easy to ruin a morph. Rodney, there's a million ways to ruin a morph. Rodney, I need you. I yeah. really, I really need you to talk about red face. Uh, I've had so many people <clears> on our <throat> Patreon. <clears throat> Because I post pictures of my red face turning, and I have so many people that ask me about what is red phase and blah blah blah. And we're speaking to the person who who termed it and who's created them. And please talk a little bit about what a red phase turnate is versus the standard turnate. That well, there seems to be three. For, in my collection, there seems to be three phases. There's like your standard standard phase, um, like your male, your one male would be like a standard phase. And then, and there's, there's, female. or, well, you're male. I think. Oh, you're, oh, you're, yeah. you're talking about the busy one. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Like he's your like standard colors. Right. And then, and then you have what I would consider more of a green face. That's lighter. That's, that's like my female. Yeah. And then, and then there's the, the, the ones that have a lot more of the Saputri bloodline like type look to them. And uh, it does seem to be more of a dominant, breeding um like What's... when you breed when you breed them it, it seems that it does kind of dominate a little bit but um it does seem to be at least semi-controllable um yeah. uh, for an example when i bred wild caught male four who's just kind of like a standard looking uh turnate i bred him to a red face and the whole clutch was red faced like every one of them had had the color of the mom and i i just i have a really dark red face from clutch what the fuck clutch is that um the one that i have clutch seven no it's clutch three no oh. and he's really dark and really aberrant and i just bred him to my female uh wildcat female three who's also red face and she's i gotta go pull the egg she laid a whopping one good egg so so whoever yeah so, so I'll, hopefully I'll, it's good because i only got one egg i'll i'll <laughs> that better be one damn look damn good looking baby yeah i hope so I'll um I'll include uh, the images here and and I'll probably I'm speaking over what I've already included but it seems like based on your description I have all three so yeah you got I, close your one's so pushing I your, have my male six is pushing green my my yeah my male is um my male's the standard pattern and color even though he looks phenomenal my first female that I got from you she has a lot of green hues. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I, I have a red phase as well. So I'll include those images for everyone to be able to, uh, see kind of the, the difference. 
Yeah, I'm yeah, and, and it's not like Saputria. It's not like where that's <laughs> what it is, where it's more of like just it is what it is. But it seems to be more of a phase um, with with turnates. There does there does seem to be color phases. And, I mean, you see that. I mean, I, I remember seeing color phases in Kalatoas like over a decade ago. Like you get your silver ones and you'd basically get like a little more of a, a green one. So... You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I think, I, I don't think this is, these phases are sp- like specific to, to Ternate Island. I, I think it's pretty common throughout. Yeah. A lot I mean, of it. I, it's, I've, even we, with, we talked even, a lot about that on our first locality <laughs> talk with uh, Eric right. Lee. I mean, because Eric Lee had a great example of the, yeah, my favorite of those color phases of the Kalatoa is the super silver stuff. I mean, yeah. I, I actually have a really. I'll show you the nicest Kalatoa ever produced. He has Eric Lee has a Barry Leonard line Kalatoa that has an open back yeah. pattern that is just as silver as silver can That's be. That's my favorite. Oh, really? Line. Yeah, it's it's literally my my favorite Kalatoa that I've seen. I, he actually he can't get that female to breach. He always parthos out, and he only has one clutch that some yep. of the partho babies survives. Parthos don't do. If do I could buy well. any animal that hasn't been produced that would be it yeah i i want to i want that line that he has if he can get it i also want that chris wilson i actually just messaged chris wilson with the aberrant pattern he's not looking to trade or get any bloodlines and so i might be cashing i might be coughing up some cash to get a, a super i have a i have a Calato that i produced from my wild caught pairing that i just got a pair back from someone who is using me to sell them again he's getting out of retics and i might i might be hanging on to the female because she is super complex and aberrant hey i just sent you this is my second favorite um kalatoa i ever produced he wasn't quite as silver as his sister i gotta find her yeah he had a killer back pattern that's part of the chris wilson line right yeah yeah Yeah, he has siblings from from that snake nathan you looking at that yeah, it's kind of like that Kalatoa neck pattern that everyone expects, but throughout the entire animal. Right. Here, this this is a shitty pick, because uh, but this was my actually this was my nicest, um, probably my nicest silver, Kalatoa. Uh, uh, you know, I kind of felt that there was actually a marble type gene in in Kalatoas, and I was never never able to prove it out before uh, my snakes uh, ended up passing away. So that sucked. But I will sh- if I can find the original male, you'll understand why I think that there was a potential, um, <laughs> a potential marble-like gene. That's oh, awesome. Nate, uh, Lucas, I don't think you ever saw this pick. This was uh, my other female Halmahara that was kind enough to get egg-bound and died the first time I bred her. Kind enough. Yeah. That's that's some of the dark humor you need. I feel like if you've been doing this as long as you have. Well, look at this snake. Because I I have yet to have a retic die on me, and I know at some point I. Oh, that's a crazy Halmahera. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was a nice snake. Damn. Yeah. Sure. Um, hear hear me out. Um. Oh, I well, before you go, I want to show you this snake. This was a Tadori Island. Um, and I tried to track it down before we lost importation and I tracked it to Java um, and dude had sold it to his buddy. And I just, I really, really wanted this snake and I just wasn't able to pull it off before I, uh, before we lost importation. Yeah. 
this that's it that's when it's when it's older this was the i think like the day it was caught and uh i man i try i tried like that's hell to get crazy this how the back pattern's not even connected yeah this this was it like when they caught it oh nice yeah and that that's the island just directly below ternate yeah damn that almost looks like a sunfire yeah, yeah, it it was a really unique looking animal, like really unique looking animal. So, and I I wanna I I wanna just kind of speak in, in a few words. Of, well, more than a few words. I kind of want to go on a, a little rant and tangent here about Ternate, um, and just talking about my my passion for them. Um, and then after I do that, um, I want to get wrapping up. I think Nathan's got a question for you to kind of take us home. Okay. Um. So, Ternate Island retics, and I mean, you know, we can talk about Homa Harris. The, the issue with Homa Harris, and I'll just state this, is we only know of 1.1 wild caught in the country, which Rodney has been working with. And I think you've produced two clutches of them now? No, uh, two or three, I forget. Two or three. Um, genetic diversity is not very strong with that. So, if you are going to get one. Well, I heard and- you can just inbreed retics as much as you want. It's totally fine. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say that, but I'm not I'm not a fan of it. Um yeah. so one thing that I do want to state about Homa Hair is that if you get one or let's say down the road you get a pair from Rodney or I breed a pair, understand that the genetic diversity is not there. And so buy responsibly. Don't don't get F threes or F fours down the road and get a pair and continue to just inbreed them. But then going back into the the turn eight stuff, um it, it it's I I personally want to emphasize on just their 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 size. Um, we have now we have ten wild cots. We had eleven wild cots. With the biggest being about thirteen and a half, and let's say Rodney's underestimating. It's fourteen feet. These are manageable size retics, and the color and pattern that they produce are out of this world. Um, if you have questions about turnates hit up Rodney. Rodney is someone who has mentored me for a while now. I've connected with him probably two years ago. When you call Rodney with a few questions, Rodney's the kind of person that'll keep you on the phone for an hour, giving you history lessons on all the animals that are out there. Um, And he will give you the time of the day to talk to you, even if you don't purchase from him. It took me a year and a half to purchase an animal from Rodney before um, with him still talking to me. Um, And so, uh, with all the information that we've provided on turnates, um, the biggest thing that I just, I, I feel like I'm, I, I want to say is, is just speaks to their size, their pattern and their color speak for themselves way better looking than most other locality animals. if not all locality animals. They've become my favorite locality, um, arguably, but, um, I, I have animals in my garage that I'm feeding heavier than my other animals because I'm like in my head, I'm trying to prove Rodney wrong. Um, and that's just the way that my brain works, not because I want to make him look bad, but because I really want to test the, the size limit of turnates and I'm unable to prove him wrong as of the limited, you know, time that I've kept them. Um, so don't count turnates out in regards to diversifying your animals and the color and pattern that they can provide with you while still being manageable. Hey, I just sent you a couple picks. It's, a uh... The first one is uh, the f- it's the first like official Carampa that I that documented Carampa that I think to ever. Okay, in the I, yeah, I was really confused at what I was looking at while Lucas was talking there. 
And the second one was a very unique uh, solo from Pari Pari. I have so many pictures, mm. but like when I'm looking for something else, like other pictures pop up. Yeah. Um, Nathan, take us and home. That just goes back. Yeah, that just goes back to the wealth of knowledge that I, I think you have. So I, it's super important that we had you on. Uh, but yeah, just kind of rounding it off. Uh, what advice would you have for anyone that's looking to get into retics in general in 2023? Um, well, I, I think like, I think you got to figure out what you want, like, and what you want to do. Like, like how Mahara is more of almost like a collector item. You know what I mean? So would you recommend that just people do their research and really figure out the niche they want in retics before yeah. they get it? Or Yeah. So, I mean, if, you, if you're going to try, the, the last thing you want to do is buy a bunch of snakes and think you're going to get rich. Um, and, you know, and, and Superdorfs, I don't know if they've been pushed so much towards that, but they've been hyped up a lot. You know, they've been hyped up a lot. And I, I really think, you know, right look and see what you like. Like, that's what I tell people. Only buy what you like. Don't buy what you think is going to sell, you know? And, and I can tell you that because that's what I did because, you know, I got in, I had, I sold off all the snakes that are now selling for 10 times the amount of money that they were like ocelot. Yeah, well, I sold, I sold my pair of double head into ocelots to fund getting in localities. And that was in like 2012 or 2013. I had those snakes and I sold them because I didn't have enough money to start getting in localities. And I knew we were probably going to lose importation. I'm like, well, these fucking animals are going to go to $500 anyways when the, when the ban hits. Uh, so why don't I get in some localities for it? So we have bloodlines and, uh, you know, and make sure we have stuff to work with. And, and I, you know, I don't want to sound arrogant in this, but, uh, you do your homework, a lot of animals, whether anyone likes to admit it or not, they get traced back to me, you know, and, and, you know, and if I wouldn't have sold that pair of double head ocelot <laughs> Indos, we wouldn't have them, you know, and, but I, I really think if you want to get into retics, um, just just be realistic about it like how how many six foot cages can you fit in your room and, and how much time do you have and how much money do you have to feed them so i would sit down and, and do some math and then i would get online and and figure out like buy what you want to look at not what you think is going to sell because you're going to take care of an animal so much finer if you just enjoy that animal if it's strictly like, oh, well, I'll get this because this is selling. Well, I got news for you. In two years, that animal, something else might be cool. And you might have to wait four years yeah. before that animal's cool again and people want it. So, you know, like the like Turnates, that was that was me selling off those other localities to work with Turnates is the worst business decision I've ever made. Easily the worst business decision I've ever made. But I didn't make it as a business decision. I made it as a, well, we're going to lose importation in interstate commerce. Uh, what do I want to work with? I want to turn aids. So, I, you know, I, I, my collection is based around the fact that they weren't going to make me any money. And, I, uh, you know, and I think that's great advice. I, you know, I mean, that's kind of what this podcast has been all about. I mean, if you're not into it just based off the, the passion alone, then 
then why are you doing it in the first place right. kind of a thing. There's, there's, there's no such thing, in my opinion, about building a business model and not owning these animals and then deciding to build a business model and get them. Like, no, love them, appreciate them, get what you love, and then go from there. That's like first and foremost. You know, if you want to do yeah, a hell, I'm too. I'm breeding these animals not because I want to get rich, but you know, because I love these animals, and maybe I'd like to cut hair a little bit less because yeah, I, and that's be, fine because I like the stress of breeding. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, and that's fine. I I think I think when people see hype around something, and and there's nothing worse than the hype around a snake than a ball python. And, you know, you know what I mean? And you see so many people, you know, just as a ghost clown. Yeah. Yeah. You see so many people like I'm going to do this and I'm going to make all this money. And, and, you know, the truth is $5,000 snakes don't sell that well. You know, they just don't sell that well. And if you make a hundred of them, well, you just cut them down They're Now they're not even worth $5,000. You know, they were only worth $5,000 because it was limited supply. So, um, you know, I like personally, I think the best route to go long term uh, in, in retics is. Uh, are you trying to hear? Yeah, no, I'm waiting for you to say the word locality. Well, I'm not even going to say locality. I, oh, I think I think it's yeah. I think it's two things. I think it's uh, I think you need super dwarfs for size. And I think you need a mix of locality for color spectrum and pattern. And then you need to pick out a couple morphs, have a couple pures, a couple morphs, and that's and that's I think that's really all you need. Like like I like I am absolutely stunned that that the super dwarf market hasn't figured out that they need to breed Indo Carmel. Like Andrew's bringing a super dwarf here next week to breed to my um, Indo Super Motley. That you're sending me some. Yeah, I mean it's just like like. I, I I'm just amazed that people haven't like put that together yet, you know, cause every, any, anytime you have a super dwarf head Indo that just turned every single one of your Clark projects into an orange glow project. Right. You know, I mean, that's like, you just, you just tripled or quadrupled the value of all your animals with a, with, with a single head, you know? So I, I, I think there is a business aspect to take into consideration when you're thinking about that, but First and foremost, only get only get what you like to look at, because because right. you know if if we lose interstate commerce again, then you better really enjoy your snakes, cause they ain't making you any money. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Rodney, do you mind telling our listeners where they can find you? I'm pretty easy to find. Just look for the dumpster fire I'm causing on on social media. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Rodney Bolich on Facebook. You can find him at RB Reptiles on Instagram. Um, he also does have a Patreon, which we could provide the link down below, that he does put out some unique information that I don't think anyone else is 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 really hitting on or touching on. Um Rodney, it was awesome having you on. Yeah, thanks. Well, and, and I want to say one thing really quick. Uh, just on the dumpster fire thing like i've seen a handful of dumpster fires within my handful of years within the retic community rodney i nobody starts them like i do nobody no no no. i understand that you don't always have the greatest approach when dealing with people and we're we're reptile people so i totally understand that but in the end of the day i've always seen just the amount of knowledge that you have your years of experience so I, I really appreciate for you just taking out the time 
to talk with us tonight, share a little bit of your knowledge with 100%. our viewers. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. Rodney, have a good night, man. It was great having you on. Thank you guys so much for listening. Don't forget, like, subscribe, comment, join our Patreon, yada, yada, yada. You guys have a good one. All right. See you guys. Later, man.